Hello, listeners, and welcome to the latest edition of Maximum Gold. Nate Maxson here with you, along with the host of our show, Mr. David Gold. How's it going out there tonight, brother? As I do the wink and the gun to the camera that no one can see. I'm having a <laughs> wonderful night. How are you, sir? I'm good. Maybe one of these days I'll uh, I'll start a Patreon for the WrestleNet Radio, and I'll release the video versions of these. So oh, they can well, see don't tell them I don't have any pants glory. on then. this week a great listenership for the show last time around we had some fun um but this week we're gonna have a lot of fun because and i know david is chomping at the bit for this one because he has uh he has been itching to rebook wrestlemania 9 and i am rebooking wrestlemania 11 um on this week's show before we start, is there anything you would like to mention? AsylumWrestlingStore.com, maybe? What's going on with the Asylum, the virtual Asylum? Yeah, I mean, we, we announced some big uh, some big guests. I think it's been a couple weeks since we recorded due to life and work and yeah. just being dead to the world on certain days. Uh, we announced Lita. We're going to have her um, in, uh, I, God, um, I'm getting old. <laughs> June June 29th, we're going to have Lita. And then we announced Gail Kim. We're going to have her May 28th. Uh, May 15th, uh, we're going to be in Baltimore with Ron Simmons. I love Gail Kim. I like oh, yeah, I was, I yeah. was Yeah, I, Gail Kim, to me, male, female, no matter what, I, I attest, Gail Kim is one of the best in-ring bell-to-bell workers in the history of pro wrestling, I think. Personal opinion. Yes, and, her, and she's the only person I've ever seen that makes a match – against someone two or three times her size, look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And th- her match at Bound for Glory, I believe it was Bound for Glory, where she used the ref to pin Awesome Kong was like one of the best endings I've ever seen. And it made Kong still look strong as hell. So she didn't lose and look like how Braun Strowman looks when he loses. And, it, and also in one of the most badass moments in wrestling, I love personally how she quit from the WWE do you remember that? She eliminated herself from a battle royal on Raw and then went home and never went back. She was like, I'm done. Goodbye. I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah. And she was not used appropriately. That's nope. I mean, not at all. She should have been she should have been the head of that division after what she did. But we have Gail Kim. Uh, you know, obviously we have Kurt Angle coming up in July. Uh, we have a big con- convention in, in two weeks. Uh, we're going to have Ron Simmons and Lisa, Victoria, Tara, for those of you who don't know her by her real name. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have all those huge – we're going to go to our first convention in a little over 14 months. The last one we went to was in March, so it's going to be big for us. End of July, we have a convention in Tennessee with Lisa. In September, we have a convention with uh, Typhoon Tugboat uh, Fred, Shockmaster, for some who like that character more just because of what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so November will be at WrestleCade, I'm pretty damn sure. So we're we're opening up pretty good. Um everything's looking good. So great. And I just ordered my Dynamite Kid figure too last week. So Oh yeah, that too. We have the Cella figures, we have Dynamite Kid, we just put up Hayabusha, Hayabusha and Bull Nakano will be the next figure that everyone's excited for. And it'll be one of the, one of the, I mean, it's not a officially licensed WWF Hasbro, now WWE, but they, I'm calling it what it was in the nineties. Let's be real. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, 
it's going to be one of the first female retro actual licensed figures because these are approved by the talent and the profits made goes to the talent. So it's awesome. not like we're keeping the profits and, and, and making bootleg custom figures and nothing against the custom figure. Mm-hmm. But these are legitimately made in a factory. These are molded, gorgeous figures. They're going to come on old retro style Hasbro like cards. Awesome. The Bolnacano figure, like we were talking about on the last episode, they didn't do any women in the Hasbro line. So it's awesome. It'll be awesome to have a figure of a female professional wrestler to display in that style. All right. We have, like I said at the beginning of the show, we have both picked a WrestleMania to rebook. David picked WrestleMania 9. I picked WrestleMania 11. And he has been kind enough to let me start. Um, <laughs> to to do this, to really, really book this the way that I needed to, I actually had to go back and kind of rebook a little bit of the Royal Rumble also from 1995. So there are some changes there. But, you know, you got you to gotta book A before you get to C. So what I did was I took, I I told David, I actually went to a website that had the, you could, you could pick a, a, like from this date to this date, what was the WWF's roster? So I went there. So I made sure that I didn't bring, you know, I didn't have like Waylon Mercy or somebody in here that wasn't actually there. Or Ric Flair and staying randomly on the car. Like what? (laughs) (laughs) And so the first thing that I did is, for WrestleMania 11, Lawrence Taylor is not wrestling on WrestleMania 11. Um, and I also had to change a little bit of the Royal Rumble in that I, during my Royal Rumble card, I actually finished up Diesel and Bob Backlund instead of having Bret Hart wrestle Diesel at the Royal Rumble. There's a reason I did that. Firstly, to put, you know, Diesel beats Bob Backlund at the Royal Rumble, puts an end to that story. And then also, it will lead into one of my matches that I have, but okay. So I still have Shawn Michaels win the rumble. So it will be Shawn Michaels and diesel in the main event, but I have booked Lawrence Taylor as the special enforcer during that match. So he's going to take an outside the ring role. Um, So let me start from the beginning. The opening match of WrestleMania 11 for me would be the head shrinkers. And I am going to put the Head Shrinkers into a feud with Tatanka. Well, with the Million Dollar Corporation. Okay, maybe Ted DiBiase runs down Lou Albano on TV or something to that effect. And they are going to wrestle Tatanka and King Kong Bundy in the opening match at WrestleMania. And the reason that I'm doing this is because I actually am going to turn Sione heel and have him turn on Samu and be part of the corporation as the barbarian. So that's why I did that. What you think? Because <laughs> I, oh, I, 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 I always lie. love the barbarian character. Me too. Me too. So I don't. And, I don't see it. And then I get. But see, would they have made it that name? Would be the question. Right. Right. If they I, had done it, I'm, I guess. <laughs> and you can challenge me on mine too, obviously. Um, but would they have called him the Barbarian or would he have like Wild Man or something? Right. <laughs> would he have taken Mark Merrill's gimmick away from him? Or the Mauler or something. The Mauler like that. or something. Yeah. Or would he would he have been mankind before Foley took it, you know, type <laughs> I, of thing. Well, if I'm booking, he's going back to the Barbarian. And that's gonna be part of the story, you know, DiBiase saying that uh 
that um, essentially his money and resources, he's going to make it because Lou Albano is trying to turn the barbarian back into a savage and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so I think that, that that's my opening match. Now I'm also continuing the feud of the Hart family in that I think that you could have gotten a lot more mileage out of Owen Hart and the British Bulldog. Um, so I don't have Owen in the tag team title match. I actually have Owen versus the Bulldog in a loser leaves the WWF match at WrestleMania 11. Oh, wow. You could, have, okay. you could, you could have a really good match. And at the end of the match, you know, you get a referee bump or something, and this is where you can still reintroduce Yokozuna. Yokozuna, it's revealed that Owen is signed with Cornette. Yokozuna comes out, helps Owen beat the Bulldog. Then I get to the same place they got to in a different way because I'm leaving Bulldog out of the picture. He's going to sell his his retirement, quote-unquote, until after SummerSlam, and then he's going to return as a heel and attack Bret Hart. And pretty much the story is Brett, Yokozuna, and Owen Hart screwed me out of my career, blah, blah, blah. You didn't come out to help. You were more concerned with your match at WrestleMania, um, et cetera, et cetera. And then, of course, you do. You, it, it's so easy to go back on a loser-leave stipulation. You make Brett so mad that he convinces Jack Tunney to let, let the Bulldog come back or what have you, kind of like they did with Randy Savage and Jake Roberts. But that's what I'm doing with those two guys at WrestleMania 11. I think that would have been much more uh, intriguing, and uh, I know I'm 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 kind of um, upping the storyline, the storytelling for the WWF at this time because they were still kind of telling kitty stories. But I think that would be a great match and a great angle. I like it. I like it. I'm still doing Razor Ramon and Jeff Jarrett for the Intercontinental Title, and everything's the same. <laughs> so that stays. Now, I told David when we did this, I was like, spoiler alert, Taker is not wrestling Bundy at WrestleMania. (laughs) But see, I've taken Bigelow out of his match with LT, and instead of sending Bundy after The Undertaker, I'm going to have Ted DiBiase send Bam Bam Bigelow after The Undertaker. And I think that could be a much better feud and a much better match. I like it. King Kong. Yeah, I like it. And I'm not. I, I don't. I don't want to make it and sound like I think like Bundy I'm deserved a lot more matches than what he was given. So right. At, well, and that's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to um, diminish Bundy at all. I think Bundy was also always a great monster heel. But at this time, I think that I think he would have. He was well. He was better served to be in more of an enforcer role, since he was a little older because of his weight. His knees were bad, and you're not going to get. You're not going to get a 1990 or 1986 match out of King Kong Bundy in 1995. That's just the law of averages, you know. Age takes its toll, and but I mean, you go back to his feud with Hogan. He was great. He was great in that feud with Hogan. Yeah, Bundy was great with that feud, and then you know they bring him back, and I, I think they just didn't. His monster status wasn't as over as, as it should have been. So I like it. Mm-hmm. All right, three more matches here. I just got th- actually four more. I'm sorry, four more matches. Because did you shorten this card any, or did it stay the same amount of matches? I think I have one more match than they did. Okay. Um, 
the the one ma- one match I wanted to make sure I had on this card because it was to me at the time I even remember at the time thinking why isn't Alundra Blaze defending the women's title on WrestleMania? So I'm going to have Alundra Blaze and Bull Nakano, but I'm going to put these women in a steel cage match. Imagine what that would have done back in 1995. A women's steel cage match in America in, in North American wrestling. Like that could have been huge. And those two were great. I mean, absolutely two of the best ever in the ring. And um, oh, I forgot. I am gonna have the Undertaker go over Bigelow, by the way. He's gonna beat Bam Bam after a really good match. And Bull Nakano is going to lose to Alundra Blaze, and Alundra is going to retain her title, and then there you go. You go right into, you can do the same thing you did the night after WrestleMania 11 and have Bertha Faye attack. Although I would have used Bertha Faye differently too. She would have been a monster heel instead of yeah, a trailer park lady or whatever it was they did with her. I like it. And Good now stuff. I have no questioning now. on that yet. <laughs> you, you might question my decision on this one because remember okay. I took, I took Owen and Yoko out of the tag title match. This yeah, one is but more, I, and I think Yoko was towards the end there, right? This is before he really started losing. Was this before he broke the turnbuckles? The ropes? Yes, yes. yes. So he was he starting the, to kind of slip a little bit at that point. He had the mm-hmm. full beard, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Which kind of takes and thought, away from his character a little, in my opinion. Having right, that full yeah. Beard, they, yeah, they, well, they, they – what do I want to say? They added, they added more Rodney to the Yokozuna gimmick as time yeah. went on. Through this yeah. time, yeah. But my tag team title match is more of a a personal, like like me booking, as opposed to thinking about the fans. But because I am such a big fan of the team, and they were so to me misused in the WWF, I'm actually going to give the Heavenly Bodies the tag team title shot against the Smoking Guns at WrestleMania 11, because I I don't think that they ever used those guys to their full potential as a heel tag team. Especially at a time where obviously you don't have a lot of heel tag teams because you're throwing together Owen Hart and Yokozuna, so you have, obviously have a deficit in heel tag teams, and you have this great team here that so you have them challenge the Smoking Guns. Now, do I have them win? I don't know. It could this could be because the Smoking Guns could get the victory, but this could be the beginning of a feud. Um, but. Yeah, just like I said, for me, that was more of a personal thing because I'm a fan of that tag team, and I think that those two teams could have had a, a good match at WrestleMania. I don't WrestleMania have an issue worthy. with that. I might too, I might have made it a three-way and kept, Who, uh, kept, kept the oh, original. Yeah. Okay. Maybe do a three, three-way would be good, but they didn't do a whole lot of that back no, yeah, that that was ECW were the only ones doing that still at that. Well, I guess I guess WCW had had some triangle matches by this point, but yeah, you're right. They weren't doing especially the WWF. Wasn't no, and they, then, they and need then, a little more Teddy Long player. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they started doing triple threat matches, they did too many. But that's a whole nother that's a whole nother yeah. show. Um. So two more matches left here for my WrestleMania 11 card. This is one. This is one of the ones where I said I went back and had to rebook the Royal Rumble a little bit, um, and I put Diesel and Backlund at the Rumble for the title because I, for my story, need Bret Hart to be in the Royal Rumble match itself. 
mm-hmm. which could have which could have fit because he took that little time off after he lost the title. You know, so you say he's coming back to the Royal Rumble to to get it to try to win a title shot. This goes back to one of my fantasy booking things that I always thought back then. The best that Lex Luger ever was was in WCW in 1989 and 1990 when he was a heel. That was my my personal favorite iteration of Lex Luger. The Lex Luger in like the green tights with Harley Race and blah, blah, blah. So I'm turning Lex Luger heel at the Royal Rumble. Well, pretty much after the Royal Rumble because he and Brett are going to bookend what they did at the Royal Rumble 94, although they're not going to be the last two in the ring. But they're going to somehow wind up eliminating each other again in the Royal Rumble. Lex Luger turns heel on Bret Hart. My question to you, because I was having trouble with this, looking at the roster at the time or the available managers at the time, at this time, the only thing I don't know what I'd do, because I want Luger to have a heel manager. But I don't know if Cornette fills that role to be next to Lex Luger. So I was like dumbfounded. I'm like, I don't know who I'm not going to put Harvey Whippleman with Lex Luger. <laughs> you know, well, remember like, Jim Cornette was around at that time. Could have yeah. done Cornette. Uh, Heenan already went to WCW at that point, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Gone. So you can't, can't do Heenan. Jimmy Hart was already in WCW. Yep. What was uh, Freddie Blassie doing at that time? Freddie Blassie at that point was the uh, the old guy around the office. Remember, they just gave him his own office. He didn't really do anything. <laughs> he brought just, him back. He could have brought. Him I back. think was JJ Dillon working behind the scenes in WWF at this time. I can't remember because he was in and out of the WWF. He wound he up back at WCW in '96, I think. He might have been. What was Slick doing? <laughs> <laughs> Slick would have been a good yeah, rehash. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you could have done Ted, have him pay him off. Right, yeah, yeah. Why not have a duel? You know, Ted comes out after losing most of the card already and comes out and gets the ultimate heel at the end, I guess, or type mm-hmm. of thing. So you could have done Ted at that time. But, yeah, I, I think the Brett versus Luger at WrestleMania 11 with Luger as a heel, I think it, it serves a dual purpose. One – I think it's a it's much better match than you let Brett be in. He had that submission match with Backlund, and it just didn't work. Like, not that either wrestler was bad. I'm a fan of Bret Hart, and I'm a fan of Bob Backlund. I mean, he's one of the coolest. He's one of the coolest wrestlers I've ever met in person. Like, he took so much time with me, and like it was funny because I had a <laughs> I had a like a, a magazine from like 1979 that I wanted him to sign. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Backlund, I'm a big fan. Blah blah blah. And the the cover of the magazine had Backlund versus uh, Ken Patera on the cover. And Backlund's signing it, and he looks up at the guy that's with him, and he's like, Ken Patera, hey, remind me later on, I need to call Ken and check up on him. I haven't talked to him in a while. And then he talked to me, you know, he wanted to know where I grew up and where I was from and blah, blah, just really cool. Anyway, I went on a diatribe there, but Brett and Backlund – was not great at WrestleMania 11, and it wasn't their They were fault. better. They at, were, was it SummerSlam? They were better in that match. I think yeah, it was. Survivor Series. Yeah, Survivor, Survivor Series. Series. Yeah, this match they were they were saddled with that submission match gimmick with Piper going 
what do you say? Every five <laughs> seconds. It just, it wasn't yeah. good. But anyway, I think this is much better for Brett to have a match with Luger. And actually Luger, I think would go over so that they could feud through the summertime. And I think if you turn Luger heel, if they would have turned him heel and done what they could do with him as a bad guy, I don't know that he would have left in, he may have stayed with the WWF instead of leaving in September and appearing on Nitro. The last match, the main event that I have is the same main event they had at WrestleMania, but it's a little different. I have Shawn Michaels versus Diesel, Lawrence Taylor as an enforcer in the match. I still have Sid in Michaels' corner. What winds up happening here, and I don't have it 100% booked out how it would happen, but somehow, some way, Sid is going to get LT knocked out or something to that effect. And I think this was the, the time to pull the trigger on Sean. I know that it was cool that they did it at WrestleMania 12 in the Iron Man match and he was a baby face, but I would have liked to see him start out as world champion as a heel champion. So I actually would have had him go over diesel in this match and win the title. And I also think that that would have helped audience Gates during 95 because it was the worst business year the WWF ever had. And I think that Sean could have boosted attendance as the top guy. So I'm going to put the title on Sean Michaels and that's how I round out my WrestleMania 11. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> and then you lose, then you lose Nash a little bit earlier. He goes to WCW Probably. center. Then all yeah. your, then all your stuff crumbles. <laughs> All right, you're going to like my nine then since you're in love with Heel Luger. Oh, goody. <laughs> so we're going to start out the card. I'm going to change the opening match. We had HBK versus Tatanka. I changed that completely. I changed it to HBK versus Mr. Perfect for the IC belt. Yay. <laughs> I feel like this match would have been a five-star match. I'm not mm-hmm. taking anything away from Tatanka. HBK and Katanka was a great match, but I'm going to have HBK versus Mr. Perfect. You're going to build Mr. Perfect as the face in this match. And, of course, unfortunately, he loses. So I'm going to put HBK over here because mm-hmm. this is when he's getting his push, right? So the match stays right. the same. Well, and you you have in, in Mr. Perfect, you have a character that – or, and a wrestler in Kurt Henning that is so good that even losing, he's not going to lose any steam, you know. I mean, he can lose without losing any credibility. And you're right, him and Sean, they had a great match at SummerSlam that year, so it would have been even better on the WrestleMania stage. They would have tore the house down, in my opinion. It would have been good. Mm -hmm. Second match, I'm completely changing the tag title match, which had Hogan and Brutus versus Money, Inc. I changed it to the Steiner Brothers versus Money, Inc. versus the Head Shrinkers. Wowie. The tag belts. Here I take Hogan and Brutus out of the equation. I typed this mm-hmm. up, by the way. I really thought this over. Mm-hmm. I have a storyline of the Steiners feuding with Money, Inc. going into WrestleMania, and the Head Shrinkers win a uh, tag team tournament to get themselves in the triple threat. And I have the Steiner brothers going over winning the tag titles. I feel like they didn't get the push they deserved. Oh, they didn't. The, they, they're, the, I, would, I would qualify them same as the Heavenly Bodies, is that – they were not used properly in the WWF. And I don't know if it's because they just didn't fit in. 
I don't know. Because you look at those guys, and they look like two guys that Vince McMahon would just want to book to the moon. You know, Scott's in awesome shape. Rick's in awesome shape. They're yeah. they're they're a hard hitting tag team. Um, one of the best tag teams of all time. I mean, anybody that doesn't think that doesn't really know what they're talking about. I mean, look how big Scott is, and he's doing Frankenstein'ers. I mean, come on, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I like the addition. I, I'm I am not a fan of of the Hogan Beefcake Money Inc. match scenario, et cetera, et cetera. So I love the fact that you took that away. And uh, these six guys. I mean, the Steiners and the Head Shrinkers is probably the best match on that card itself. So imagine adding workers like, like IRS and, and DiBiase to it. This could be 45 minutes of tag team gold. That's no why I cut intended. it down a little bit. Yeah. I cut it down a little bit. It's seven matches for this. Now I cut a couple out and I got rid of the dark match. Um, so third oh, match. No. Oh, no, no, no Papa Shango and El Matador. No, no, it's gone. <laughs> third match is Undertaker versus Lex Luger. Uh-oh. Yes, I am getting rid of Giant Gonzalez. <laughs> that character and the storyline was bad. Gone. Very bad. Very Taker bad. wins this match, but hear me out. He only wins because the narcissist Lex Luger hits him with one of his mirrors at the end of the match and gets disqualified. Because you're con- so, going to continue the feud, obviously. And, and continue Taker's streak and keep Luger looking strong and like an asshole. Yeah, that's the whole point of keeping him as a heel. Mm-hmm. So yes, I completely changed that match. I feel like Luger and Taker would have been great. This would have put Luger on the map. This would have pushed his narcissist character a lot more, and this could have carried this into WrestleMania ten, where he, if you wanted to, you could have him face who's in the main event, which I'll get to. Next the, match. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, was just no, go ahead. I, I like I like the I like what you're I really like what you're plucking out <laughs> of this card. Yep. You know, because you're getting rid of you're getting rid of uh Gonzalez, which God bless him. Oh, he know? was great in WCW. He Far was, none. He was a guy to me that he was a great attraction. But he was a great attraction in that, obviously, and it's no fault of his own. Again, like I say all the time, people have guys have physical limitations based on their size and et cetera. He was a great attraction, but he was a great attraction to be somebody's tag team partner. You know, oh, you like mean like in, almost? Yes, yes. I mean that al- that's almost right. Yeah, almost, 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 almost. <laughs> I mean, because you got him with AJ, so it works. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's that's that that's what I'm saying. Like that guy, obviously, it's pro wrestling. Pro wrestling has it comes from the very genesis of pro wrestling is in carnivals, you know, freaks and geeks and et cetera, et cetera, and anomalies and people with weird big heads or what have you, big hands. Yep. So giants and freaks and stuff are always going to be a part of wrestling, and to me, they have a place in it. But you have to use them properly. And yes, I absolutely agree. Just like just like Omos. With AJ Styles, that's where El Gigante was better when they team him up with Sting in WCW or team him up with Dustin Rhodes or something to tag in for two minutes and beat up the heels and then tag back out. A 10 to 15 minute match one on one with The Undertaker, that's going to be a stinker. (laughs) 
Yep, and you got Luger in here, so Luger can help give you some more action. Taker is very agile for a big guy at this point. I think it'd be a great 15-minute match. Luger realizes, I can't beat this guy. I'm just going to bust him in the head with a mirror, uh, gimmick mm -hmm. mirror, of course, because we don't want Taker getting hurt. But And that ends the match, right? Taker sits up after he gets hit with the mirror. He could he could even do the he could even do the stalking to the back. He's going to look for Lex Luger. Yeah. Yep. Match four, I have Yokozuna versus Hulk Hogan. Yoko has a nice heel run, but he's not the champion. Mm -hmm. Yoko is going to defeat Hogan with the help of Mr. Fuji and some sand. Brutus will run down for the save. Hogan poses in the ring, and this is his final match in the WWF. So we never have the we never have the title run or the King of the Ring deal or any of that. Which none of that crap, and you already and you have Yoko send him on his way just like he did at King of the Ring. Yeah, and that was uh, that was a what do I want to say? I think that was the last straw, you know, with the politics with Hogan and the WWF. You saw that you saw the politics of Hogan play out on TV from WrestleMania nine till King yep. of the Ring, you know. So yeah, like you said, you get you get your Hogan monster match, and then he gone. <laughs> He's lucky he loses this way, in my opinion. I feel at first I had him losing cleanly, mm -hmm. but then I thought about it and I said, let's send Hogan away from what he's done for the business and for WWF and how he put them on the map. Let's send him out appropriately, and then let's have Brutus come out, make the save, and then those two are gone from WWF, basically, mm -hmm. both of them. They're heading over to Turner. Right. And at that at that point in the WWF, good riddance. All right. Yep. <laughs> match. Next match is I'm going to leave it the same. I'm going to have Doink versus Crush. Mm -hmm. The reason I'm leaving that is because I like the premise. I love Doink's character. I thought he was good in the ring. I thought it was a good match. But I did change the ending to where Doink hypnotizes Crush, and he becomes Evil Crush, and they start a new stable together. Evil like Doink that. with Evil Crush. I like that because I think Crush was better, much better as Evil Crush than he was as Shaka Brada Crush. And it uh, makes sense of why he all, all of a sudden becomes evil, right? And he joins uh, a stable with Doink, and you can bring in Dink, Mink, and Pink, and all that if you want. You can you can play with it, right? So you still have the Doink under the ring. You still do all that, and then they turn him evil, kind of like when Undertaker was, you know, doing the. Uh, where he was, what the hell, when he put him on the cross and sacrificed him and then oh, they all became yeah. part of the ministry. Yeah. That way. Same way. And Doink, so. Doink should never be turned babyface. <laughs> because to me, that was the death of that character. Yeah. Because the only reason that a wrestling clown worked was because it wasn't, quote unquote, a wrestling clown like a circus clown. It was like... It was it was 1993, still kind of sort of a kids show, WWF, but deep down it was kind of like a John Wayne Gacy character. You know, they never said that on TV, and they never said this guy has bodies in his basement or whatever. But right. it's, it's, instead of being a circus clown, he's like a crazy bipolar. I mean, like you said, like that was a great gimmick. The way Matt Bourne played it, that was a fantastic gimmick. It hadn't. It, it was better than it had any right to be, but yeah, I like that. I like the idea of him having a stable and Crush is a good enforcer. Yep, and that keeps him from leaving and gives him something to do. Mm -hmm. 
Next match, I'm completely changing it. I'm doing Razor Ramon versus Bam Bam Bigelow. I'm going to erase Bob Backlund from the equation because if you look at the crowd, they had no idea who Backlund was. <laughs> and they actually <laughs> Razor's, new... <laughs> Razor's, Razor's the heel and they cheer the heel. <laughs> Bob is the this time Razor's going to be Razor and Bam Bam uh, Bam Bam's the face, Razor's the heel mm-hmm. but I'm going to change it Razor's going to leave this match as the face Bob Backlund is gone I love him to pieces but the fans did not know who he was, you didn't give him a proper introduction now when he started coming back and being crazy Bob against Brett, people knew who he was right. at this point you have no idea who he is and you just wanted to get Razor over. If you wanted to give Razor a big win, then you're going to have him get over. He's going to beat. He's going to beat Bam Bam in this match. At the end of the match, HBK and Luna come out and they beat Razor down, and Bam Bam joins their stable. So instead of Diesel being HBK's bodyguard, we're going to have Bam Bam as his bodyguard. And you remember how Bam Bam was with Luna? Right now he's with Luna this way. He, he's joining Shawn Michaels because Shawn Michaels and him both work for Bam Bam's main squeeze. <laughs> yep. And yet you, you put Razor over, he gets mm-hmm. his push, and now he's a face. That's going to, um, now he's going to feud with HBK for the IC belts. So you're not getting rid of all the good stuff between him and HBK. That still is all going to happen. Maybe a little right. sooner, but it's mm-hmm. all going to happen. Well, that's, that's, that's the, uh, I, I like that. It kind of like the same same way that I I booked for Sean to get his world title win earlier than he actually did because I think that no matter where Sean Michaels, what do I want to say? The best of Sean Michaels is always going to put asses in the seats. You know, um, people can say what they want about his attitude behind the scenes and everything, but Vince McMahon always said that Sean Michaels would fight him. Like literally be cussing at him, spitting at him because, you know, he was all screwed up and stuff back then. He's admitted that. And Vince said that Sean would fight him until he went through the curtain and then he would go out there and give Vince exactly what he asked for. Oh, yeah, because Takers was back there like, I'll beat your ass if you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Takers back there clenching his fists like, uh, excuse me, you're going to go do this job. Play it, play it. Now he's Teddy Long. Play it. Let me holla at you, player. Let me holla. It's going to be one on one with me backstage. <laughs> yeah. Did you watch that? You watched his uh, Stone Cold session, right? Yeah. When he talked yep. about that, yeah, how he didn't leave WrestleMania 14. He just sat back there, he taped his fist up, and sat back there, and just in case. <laughs> yeah. All right. So main event, and you already knew this was going to happen. I've been harping on it. You're going to have Bret Hart versus the Macho Man Randy Savage for the mm-hmm. world title. So um, that's going to be a 35 minute barn burner main event match. I don't know if anybody's ever seen because there's only a couple of them, and and this will this will be able to attest what what David is talking about. I think there's only maybe one or two. Surprisingly, as long as they both worked in the WWF, there's only like one or two matches between Randy Savage and Bret Hart. I think one was on a Saturday night's main event, and the other was on a Coliseum video. And you talk about two of the best wrestling matches you've ever seen in your life. Two of the best workers you've ever seen in your life. Magic. It's absolute magic. Now, now here's, here's the setup. Brett wins cleanly. 
Mm-hmm. Macho Man puts on an amazing match, shows he's still got it, obviously, because he does, right? Vince is just stupid at this point, thinks he's too old, trying to go out with the old and with the new. So after the match, Brett is celebrating his title, and then Ted DiBiase's music plays. He gets on the mic, says, everybody's got a price. And then behind him is Lex Luger who then attacks Brett from behind, beats him down, ending WrestleMania. That sets up your year-long feud with Luger and Brett, culminating in their main event at WrestleMania 10. And bam, drop the mic. (laughs) (laughs) And I really like that because, you know, I love heel Lex Luger. And you – the. Okay, here's where there's all the positives here. First, you have a great match between two guys. And you could even – um, I don't know what you say, but I say at this point, and it, it would have been, again, it comes back to, we, we can't, as fantasy bookers, we can't control what actually happened in real life, you know. Depending on what rumor you believe, Randy Savage either left the WWF because of something that happened that, I mean, plenty of people have talked about it, we don't need to discuss it, or... Probably most likely, not the the silly Stephanie rumor, he probably left because Vince McMahon was trying to phase him out as a wrestler, make him only a commentator, and he still wanted to be a wrestler. And here's WCW with a bunch of money. And because I don't believe I'm getting off, you know me, I get off on tangents. But I don't believe I don't believe the Stephanie Savage rumor. I don't believe it either. I think Macho um, wanted to wrestle. Vince said, I like you on commentary and I want to keep your Slim Jim deal and all that stuff here. I'll pay you to be on commentator. Macho Man's contract expired after his last match against Crush the next year, right? Mm-hmm. So his contract expires. He says, I'm going to Turner. Slim Jim says, we're going with you. Vince hated him since then. And I think another reason is... the. To me, the more likely, you know, because they say that that there would be before Savage was in the Hall of Fame, they said there would be meetings where people would bring his name up, and Vince McMahon would literally like kick that person out of the room and say, "Don't say his name to me." And I think I don't think it had anything to do with the silly Stephanie thing. I think what it had to do with was those two were pretty tight, and they were pretty yeah. close, and. From all accounts, from everything I've ever heard, and I've heard, I never believe a story in wrestling till I hear the same story from four people because wrestlers are workers, so they're probably working you. But I've heard this story from multiple sources in that Vince was very, very hurt because Randy was negotiating with WCW behind his back. You know, and, and and that hurt his feelings. And you can say what you want about Vince McMahon, but he's a human being. And I think he regarded Randy. He thought him and Randy were friends, not just coworkers. And I think I think he felt betrayed by Savage. And I think that is the reason why Vince. It took Vince so long to forgive Randy. And it's sad that he didn't get to go into the Hall of Fame till after he passed. It's sad that that was the case. But yep. My long-winded diatribe here was to get to the point where I was going to ask you. So you just have to later. <laughs> <laughs> that's how, that's how a Nate Maxson show goes. But anyway, that is this. Do you think that if you're having a, a fantastic match with Brett and Savage, 
You've just ended. Essentially, Hogan's gone now. Yep. So you've ended the whole rock and wrestling Hulk Hogan era of the WWF. And now you're moving on to Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and Lex Luger. So as a booker, is this Randy Savage's last WWF? Are Hogan and Savage both done now for the WWF? No. no. Um, WrestleMania 10, that leads me to how we how I would book that just so we don't go through the whole thing again. Just a quick synopsis of it. You'd have Brett versus Luger in the main event for the world championship. Luger wins. Mm-hmm. He gets his belt run. He's a super heel. Everyone hates him. Hates him. We don't have that living in America crap. None of it. Yokozuna <laughs> faces The Undertaker in a casket match at that WrestleMania because I would mm-hmm. prefer Yoko to still be a monster heel, but I don't think he needed the belt, and I didn't like his title run, my opinion, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Macho Man goes on to face Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 10. Which is, a, once again... Another amazing match, and HBK Mm -hmm. is still the IC champion. HBK loses. Macho Man becomes your IC champion. HBK is then now elevated into a feud with the new champion, Lex Luger. Luger loses the belt at SummerSlam to Bret Hart, and we still get our amazing WrestleMania 12 main event. Mm -hmm. That's how I would book it. Sounds good to me. <laughs> and so you're not losing what? out on HBK because he needs to elevate. You give Macho Man the IC belt for a little bit. You still put him over. You can utilize Macho Man as long as you want. He could become a manager in a couple years. It's mm-hmm. still more than what WCW is starting to do to him. Yeah, and you know what? Yeah. You know what? Um, and here, here's your another. Here's another Nate. Nate thinks he knows it all. Moment for this week's show, folks. You know how many one-on-one matches there were between Shawn Michaels and Randy Savage? Not many, maybe one or two. One, One. yeah. It was on. It was. It was in the nineteen ninety-two European tour in. I think it was either London or Paris. They're getting dream matches here, dude. And then Macho Man can elevate the next big IC champion that comes in. You can have. You can. I mean, you can have him feud with Razor Ramon, right? You can Mm -hmm. have him. You know, you can you can bring in the likes of Stone Cold Steve Austin to face Macho Man. Imagine how that match would have went, right? Stunning Steve right. versus uh, not Stunning Steve, uh, the Ringmaster versus. I mean, you could still do all these great things, but it booked differently. You're getting five star matches and better feuds. Luger gets his title run that he deserves. He holds the belt for five six months until SummerSlam, which I feel is great, right? And back then, in that time, we still only had, what, a couple in-your-houses and four main pay-per-views? So Luger's yeah. a strong champion for six months, maybe defends it twice, once at an in-your-house, once at SummerSlam. Right. Um, and then they face one another. Brett wins the belt back, gets his deserving run. Luger puts him over. And then no matter, Brett goes it's and so faces funny. Sean. It's so funny to me because no matter what – no matter what um, – you think about a certain way something should be booked, or I think about a certain way something should be booked. I see a common theme here between our two brains. So yeah. at this time, at this time, you and I must have been as wrestling fans in the same in the same um, wheelhouse. In that, it seems like we both really, really wanted for at least a couple of years a lot of the WWF to revolve around a babyface Bret Hart 
and a heel Lex Luger. And Macho Man still having five-star matches. And imagine Mm -hmm. what this would have done for Vince. Because the reason WCW started winning, if you notice and look at it, when they tried to take all of WWF's late 80s, early 90s talent, like, and no offense to any of these guys, I love them all. When they start, when they took the John Tenta and made him Avalanche, right? And they mm-hmm. took um, Kamala and they took, they, they were like WWF and what they were right. trying to get away from. But then Bischoff had an epiphany, right? He's like, you know, Vince isn't really using Diesel correctly. Vince isn't using, I mean, he used, I, I would say he used Razor great. Razor was great. I can't mm-hmm. say he didn't give Razor his his pushes, but we're going to get Razor. We're going to get a little younger with these guys, and we're going to get away from cartoony, and we're going to get to edgy, right? So they bring the right. NWO in, and then, like, you, you get you get Hogan. Vince could have countered and kept Macho Man and said, this right. is – I got Macho. I got Brett. I got Luger. You know, and pe- the re- I think the big thing was is that people liked Luger. And they liked Brett, but they weren't draw. They weren't drawing as big as Hogan still was at that time, and as the NWO started doing. You keep Macho Man, you have some draw. But you I can think still I put think the belt on Brett. I, and I almost, I almost think that the the idea of striking with Luger and Brett at in '93 actually helps business too because what happened was they didn't strike with Luger and Brett and no. business business suffered but see what I, my my point is you you still have Hogan so you still have the Hogan people watching the product you still have those eyes so if you could get this hot feud between Brett and Luger started you could have kept a lot more of those people that after Hogan left those fans left you know, you have to give the next fans something to want to watch once that guy that they've been invested in for nine years leaves the company. You know, I mean, that that was the biggest problem is they didn't they weren't giving the fans anything. And back then I watched it and I I actually personally love the WWF from 1993 until 1996. Like, I think that some of the best they had some of the best wrestling. They had they had one of the best rosters ever in like from 95 to 98 anyway. But like I said, you just, you have to use your out, you have to use the eyes that are on your outgoing star and give those eyes something to keep, to stick around. Yeah. I want to watch this next chapter, even though Hulk Hogan's not here, you know, I want to watch what's going to happen with these new guys. That's the whole point. (laughs) Cause you know, your, your top stars aren't going to be around forever. Eventually everybody has to move on. Yeah, and the problem is is that people were still stale on Hogan, and that's why when he went to WCW from 95 to 96, both brands were hurting. It wasn't one or the other. They were both doing miserable. You know, Vince already had the steroid trial behind him. His business was flailing a little bit. WCW was looking a ton like the nineteen late 80s, early 90s WWF, where it was cartoony, larger-than-life characters, but also super weird and it, well, it, it in was different directions, different gimmicks was, that look exactly the same as the other gimmicks, but different names because they couldn't yeah. keep the same names. Well, and you had you had the you had the WWF cartoony, but with no Vince McMahon edit. 
So it was like, like, you know, Hogan, Hogan, let's be honest. Hulk Hogan venturing into the dungeon of doom is some corny crap. That should have never happened. I'm it not was, saying that, but I am the only other person that will argue you down all day long and say some of the stuff Kevin Sullivan was doing was great. No, no. And that I, that's where I'm saying there was like this fine line. Like, I don't mind that the Dungeon of Doom was a stable. And I actually, I actually don't mind Kevin Sullivan. I loved him I with do, the Giant I, during his uh, world title run. That was great. I always do my Kevin Sullivan impression. But I, I actually, like, he had a great mind for booking and a great mind for the business. But my, my point was... The, the where they lose me is I don't mind this big stable of heels trying to end Hulkamania. That's what Hulkamania was. It was a, a a cascade of big heels trying to end Hulkamania. But where I where they lost me was when he literally ventured into the Dungeon of Doom. There's no Hulkamaniacs here, bro. Uh, yeah, it was just it was too much. Like there's too much for me to suspend belief. Like I suspend belief with pro wrestling, obviously, because you don't punch somebody in the face full force and they they don't swell up. That's we all have to suspend belief to watch pro wrestling. But, but that's why WWF was stagnant for a couple of years because so was WCW. Yeah, and then Bischoff starts plucking Vince's a little bit younger talent to go along with some of the vets like Nash and Hall. Right, and he starts looking at what ECW is doing, who started all of it. It all started in ECW. So Bischoff is like, I'm going to take Heyman's cruiserweights. I'm going to take and make it a little more extreme, not as, mm-hmm. as extreme as ECW, but I'm going to do edgy. And then I'm going to start the NWO. And so if you if Vince countered all this years before, because Vince is always reactive, right? I'm going to react to what's going on. That's how right. the Attitude Era came. But if Vince stayed ahead of it and did these things for Macho Man and gave him his last runs – and still, he could have still pushed Brad. He could have still made Luger the monster heel he should have been. He could have still used Yokozuna as a monster heel on the mid card, upper card. I mean, you could even had double main events. You don't have to put Yokozuna on the back burner. I love the character. I just didn't think he needed the belt. Mm-hmm. I don't think Yoko should have carried the belt. And I don't. Also, I don't feel like he should have beat Brett. And then Hogan comes out, beats him in ten seconds takes the belt back, and then has to lose it by having cameras flashed in his face. That made Yoko look less of a monster heel and look like he always had to cheat to win, mm-hmm. which I understand heels cheat to win, but Yoko was a monster heel who sat on people, literally. <laughs> he, if if he's going to beat Hulkamania, and I get I let him leave on my card by getting screwed as well because I wanted Hogan to get the send-off he deserved, But if you're going to make Yoko a monster heel, do as such. It needs to be like when Earthquake sat on Hogan and put him out for months. Mm -hmm. That put Earthquake over for multiple months. And then Hogan comes back. Of course, he beats Earthquake because Hogan was over then. But if you're going to use Yoko as a monster heel, he should be facing the likes of Undertaker in casket matches sooner. Everything they did was too late. Everything was was done. You already lost Macho Man. You lost the Slim Jim deal, which put a lot of eyes on the product and a lot of money in Vince's pocket. You 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 could have had Brett as still the champion and still have a great match with Shawn Michaels. I feel like he should have won at WrestleMania 12 too, but it's a whole other story for another day. <laughs> and you could have done what was right for Brett. 
and you wouldn't have you wouldn't have either you wouldn't have had to do two things you wouldn't have had to pay him so much to get him to stay right and number two because you are he's already to the moon and making great money because you still have all the sponsors and number two even if you did have to pay him that much you still have slim jim in your back pocket you still have all the sponsors the problem was is that vince wasn't competing as hard until he saw what Bischoff and WCW was doing and how they lost the ratings, what, 82 weeks in a row? Right. Or was it 83? 83, right? 83, 83 weeks. Yes. 83 weeks in a row, you lose the ratings because of the fact that WCW was smart at that time. After those 83 weeks, Vince started doing what he needed to do. But you could have shaped all this up. Luger's could have still been put on the back burner after a couple years. But he would have gotten his title run that he was deserved. You you make me – when you talked about the, <clears throat> the, the transition, you know, with Hogan going to WCW and et cetera, et cetera, it, makes, it actually makes me think of a question that I would ask Eric Bischoff. I would ask Eric Bischoff if – and I know that, you know, you live in the moment, okay? And then after the moments are over, and Bischoff, Bischoff. does a lot of Bischoff does a lot of that on his podcast and stuff. He goes back and looks at when he was young and cocky and 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 working for Ted Turner and trying to take down Vince McMahon, and he goes, Eh, okay, I was a different guy then. What I would ask him is, do you kick yourself now? And I understand, again, I'm saying I understand his mindset at that time. I'm a pro wrestling promoter. I work for Turner Broadcasting. They're telling me I, I have like two years to turn this promotion around or I'm shit canned. Who am I going to sign? Of course I'm going to sign Hulk Hogan. Of course I'm going to sign Randy Savage. These are names. These are money. But my, my question to him would be, looking back, do you kick yourself in the ass? Because... As you were hiring a Hogan and a Savage and an Avalanche and a Big Bubba Rogers and all these guys from the WWF, look at the guys that he said, that's not a guy I need. That's not a guy I need. That's not a guy I need. And then those are the same guys, Mick Foley, Steve Austin, uh, Triple H. Those are the same guys that went to the WWF, formed the Attitude Era, and put WCW out of business. So do you kick yourself in hindsight I had I had the stars of the future on my roster, and I let them go. I, think, I would. I would. I think you like, wouldn't kick yourself for them. And let me explain why you wouldn't kick yourself for Steve and, and Foley and all of that. I think you kick yourself. You were already when they when they started building Foley, Rock, and Steve. You were already winning still at that point, right? right. You kick yourself when you didn't push Malenko, when you didn't push Guerrero. When you didn't right. push some of your push Jericho, guys. when push you didn't get Jericho, yeah. push guys that could come up and compete. You're kicking with yourself Austin for the people that you had when the NWO was starting to get a little more stale, and you're kicking yourself for guaranteed contracts that allow the guaranteed contract is one thing, but when you put in there, hey, you could do what you want, right? If I tell you to do something, you can argue me on, it, argue me down, finger poker doom, right? All that right. crap. Mm-hmm. I agree that it would have been great if he kept Steve and kept Mick, but they wouldn't have gotten where they've gotten today. So my argument to that it would be on the other side of the coin is you're kicking yourself because you didn't push Eddie Guerrero and Chris Jericho to be in a world title match against each other at a pay-per-view. Right. Build you're your kicking your, what's, you, you, didn't, you didn't grow your younger talent. 
Mm-hmm. You did amazing with Goldberg, even though he wasn't the best in the ring. He he had a story. He was a larger than life character. He was undefeated, and then you have him lose by getting tased, and you have him lose to, to Kevin Nash. If you're going to have Goldberg lose, it needed to be in a different way. So if Bischoff's going to kick himself, it's going to be those booking errors when and all the guaranteed – if you had Hogan as guaranteed and guaranteed storylines and then the rest of the guys didn't, then you're, you're, you're in the money. Mm-hmm. I, I understand, hey, I needed to get Hogan so I had to do whatever it took. I needed to get Macho Man so I did whatever it took. I get those two gentlemen. I even – but you're having multiple people – that's also why the invasion angle couldn't be done correctly because they still were on guaranteed contracts, for God's mm-hmm. sakes. In 2001, well, you're still paying Nash, Hogan, Hall, <laughs> all those <yeah>. guys. <laughs> well, and you you're and I are yourself for that. And you make a great point because that's what it's all about. You and I are both managers. So we both know the adage build your bench, build your bench. Because eventually this person is going to leave and you want to be able to have the next person ready in line to fill that position. And that was one thing. I agree. I take nothing away from his acumen. I take nothing away from his savvy, but that was one thing I think in that moment, in that time that Eric didn't do, he brought, like you said, he brought all this great talent in. And then he was like, but I'm not even going to pay attention to that talent. You know, you fit Finley, you book that talent. Arn Anderson, you book that talent. I'm busy with Hogan and Nash and Savage and all these prima donnas that are, at that time, just, you know, just essentially milking the teat of WCW and milking it dry, really. Yeah, and then you have NWO Red and Black, which was, okay, fine, awesome. Nash and Hall get into it, and Hogan, Nash that's goes where, and makes his own faction with Luger and Sting. Eh, it was, that's it was where okay. They, they lost it, me at that point. Like It was all right. It was okay. Wolfpack was okay. Here's where you lost it. You lost it when you had the red, white, and black. When you <laughs> when you turned them back and it's like oh we're back together and then they have half shirts and then like you have Vincent and Brian Adams backstage and 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 uh, Norton with black Stevie, and white shirts Stevie, on Stevie Ray and they're like what's going on first don't even get me started on why the hell they would split Stevie Ray and Booker T up not even get right. started on that but then you have black and white shirts and it's like. They're in the backstage. are like, what's going on? What's happening? And then you got the red and black guys. Hogan's like, dudes, we're good dudes. We're still good dudes. And he's got on a red and black shirt. And it's like, what am I watching? <laughs> what what am I? And then you bring it back again with Jeff Jarrett. And mm-hmm. it's like, what are you doing? NW, it's done. The, the NWO is the worst beat dead horse <laughs> in the history of professional wrestling. It's like, you don't even want to wear the shirt anymore. It's like, can I get a BWO <laughs> shirt, please? Or And then what? you have that. Then, then you have, I mean, the LWO. L- LW, yeah, LWO. And it's like, and- is this the best you could have done with Eddie and Chavo? Mm-hmm. Is this the best you could have done with, with the talent that Eddie and Chavo had? I mean, imagine how great that would have been. I mean, the Cruiserweight division was awesome. But imagine, like, if you – I mean, you could have had much more five-star matches with Malenko and Guerrero and Jericho. and For sure. There was so much more that could have been done. Like, can you imagine them pushing Jericho to the moon and then he breaks Goldberg's streak? Mm-hmm. Lord never, have mercy. He never would have went to the WWF and it could have Jericho been a whole wins the world thing. belt, breaks Goldberg's streak, which is believable because Jericho was great in the ring. 
He does it. He wins. Ralph is out there celebrating and stuff. I mean, come on. The, the stuff, Bischoff should be kicking himself, not because he let Stone Cold go. And he made the right decisions on Austin and Foley. He wasn't using them right. At least he let them go. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I'm not using them. I'm going to let them go. And then they went and prospered. Stone Cold and Foley, where did they go? ECW. And then they got right. better and better. And then Vince caught it. And, and you got to give Russo some credit. He had some say on some of these characters, and he had Vince as his guy that said, that's a little too far, pal. <laughs> <laughs> and I get the hand stuff and all that. There was a lot of stuff in the attitude error that was like, what? When you go back and watch, you're like, what? But <laughs> I guarantee you there was a lot more good than bad. And, and I go back and I watch, and I'm like, man, this is – so much better than what it what it was. And you have matches where like Austin and Rock and Taker and Kurt Angle. And it's like, dude, I, w- I would argue with you that the talent from 98 to 2000 was better than 96 to 98. I'd argue, and I'm talking about newer talent, not golden era where you still had right. Luger and all that. I'm talking about you had Kurt Angle, Undertaker, you know, Jericho, mm-hmm. Big Show. I mean, I could go on and on for days. McFoley, you know, the, of the talent that they just had. The Rock was booming. I mean, hell, you even had Ron Simmons and Bradshaw as the APA. That's like one of the best tag teams ever mm-hmm. at that point. You know, started as the Acolytes. And, like, whoever whoever came up with that tag team, whether it was Russo or Genius, because you weren't doing anything with Ron, and you put them with Bradshaw, who you weren't doing anything with, and you make them into this awesome tag team as Acolytes at first, and you grow them into the APA. Whoever wrote all that – that's genius booking. That's a story. And then you had the Hardys. And you had the best. You had the Hardys, Edge and Christian, the Dudleys. I mean, 98 to 2000, I, up to about maybe 01 before the invasion stuff happened. Man, I could argue you all day long. They had the best tag division they've had ever. I think that uh, maybe that should be the next show. Tag divisions. We'll debate the tag divisions because that uh-huh. would be fun. Can, um, but then we'll have to we'll have to compare WCW when they had the Steiner brothers and Harlem Heat and, and the Road Warriors and, <laughs> and uh, versus Attitude Era tag teams and it's like holy crap you know that's that's a hard decision to make right there. But I know? think this is this has been a great show. I liked your WrestleMania nine. I hope you liked my WrestleMania eleven. I did. I think and both I think of ours are. Are parallel. They're they're super similar, and it, uh, led, it leads to it leads to Luger, who I thought they floundered with a bit, and then yes. the narcissist gimmick wasn't the, used long enough. He is definitely one of, to me personally, I've always said it. He is definitely one of the biggest misses in WWF history. I don't know how they screwed that up, but they screwed that up. <laughs> they wanted know, him like, to be Hogan. They were trying yeah. to book him as All American Hogan, and the fans weren't having it. They're like we we had this already since 1985. Right, we're good, yeah. we're mm-hmm. good. We've had this we've had this nine years already. Then you like bring Mama, back in WCW. You had another two years of that. So the fans were yeah, over like, eleven Mom. years of Hogan. It's like Mom, I like the meatloaf, but I can't eat it every day. Mom, I can't eat. That's the why every I was day. begging. I was begging the WWE because Cena has been Cena since like '05. Right, because mm-hmm. he was still the rapper kind of towards 05. And then from 05 to like 15, 10, 11 years, it was the same as Hogan. It's like Cena, Cena, Cena. Your time is up. My time is now. 
Turn the guy heel, please. It would be one of had they had him run out and become a heel. All those kids crying in the stands. Oh my god, that would have been so good. I would have made sure it was on a show where a lot of kids were. Yeah, there was there was a ton of kids in the fans, and you just have Cena go super heel, and it's like, yes, <laughs> it's stale. I love Cena, and honestly. Going back now, the the product we have now, going back even to his match with Umaga, when he had to freaking wrap the the ropes. Oh, around that's what that's what people can hate on Cena all they want, and and this this could be a whole other show too. But first of all, that Umaga Cena match is one of the best last man standing matches ever, ever. Mm-hmm. They worked. And he has to cut the ropes off to get him to quit. He doesn't even quit. He passes out. <laughs> yeah, they worked their asses off. And I will say this. I will say buzz off trying to use clean language to anybody that that shits on Cena as a worker because I promise you I want you to go watch him wrestle Shawn Michaels for an hour in the United Kingdom and tell me it's not one of the best pro wrestling he, that dude was a worker's worker the if you ask if you ask if you would when he was alive Literally, and this is no joke because he's—I saw him say it. You ask Harley Race what he thinks about John Cena, and Harley Race said John Cena could have hung with me and my boys in my era. Oh, he so, made the yeah, great Kali look good in their match, and then he he uh, f uh, him off the stage, <laughs> off of the tractor. He's picking up this big—I mean—and when he when he uh, beat Big Show in '04. When right. he did the FU, that was on call. And Big Show was the one of the heaviest he was in his entire career. And mm-hmm. Cena deadlifted him on his shoulders. Okay, so I will take nothing away from Cena, but the problem is, it was like watching Eleven Years of Hogan. It was the same thing. Right. No, and I agree with you. He should have turned heel. He should have turned heel in 2013. And that that's was, why that they're was... booing Reigns, which is a whole, which is great that he's a heel now. But that's why they booed Reigns, because he was supposed to be Cena's replacement, just like Luger was Hogan's replacement. And the fans are smart, and they're like, fuck you guys. And then you put Luger (laughs) in red, white, and blue. Excuse my French. Sorry, everyone. You put Luger in red, white, and blue tights, and they're like, this is just a rehash of Hogan all over again. You might as well put him in red and yellow. Yeah. It was the same character. You had him slam Yokozuna, just like, guess what? Hogan slammed Andre. We saw that. At WrestleMania three, yeah. <laughs> we don't need it again. You make Luger the narcissist. You keep the heel going for a while. You have him do a, a championship run. You got something going. You got Luger merch selling. Exactly. Why do you think the fans were cheering for Razor Ramon as the heel against Bob Backlund? They wanted something different. And it, yeah. we we talk about this all the time, or I do. I, I beat it into the ground on the Reliving the Extreme podcast. That was there. It was such perfect timing for ECW because because we were just talking about it on last week's show because we're talking about the, you know we're, we're we're to the point now where they've introduced the Public Enemy in late 1993, and my point to Aaron and Chad was. In 1993, if you're watching TV and you're watching the WWF, you have Men on a Mission. And then you turn over to this ECW show, 
and you have the public enemy. Now, I'm not a big fan of the public enemy bell to bell in the ring, but that gimmick for that time in that era was revolutionary. It was different. It was starkly different. And yeah, that's why ECW, ECW rose because ECW striked at the perfect time to have a different type of product in pro wrestling. Because like we were talking about earlier, WWF and WCW, they were putting on the same old crap they've been putting on for 10 years and still trying to shove it down our throats. And good on Paul Heyman for for striking while the iron was hot, I guess, at that point. And that's where the WWE and WCW got all their ideas. And that's where I'm going to end the show right there. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us on Maximum Gold this week. David, I think it was a great show. And I want to remind everybody to keep listening to WrestleNet Radio. Lots more stuff coming up. Archie Mitchell is going to start doing a show where he is discussing this week's, the current week's AEW and NXT. I know Aaron and Chad are working on doing a, actually a deep dive show into Portland wrestling, which if nobody's ever dove into Portland wrestling, that's where Roddy Piper and Buddy Rose. That's all I'm going to say. They had one of the great feuds in the history of wrestling. Those guys are going to start digging into that show. And Kyle is actually going to start, well, I'm going to help him host that, but we're going to start doing a show called Career Capsule, where we take, we just going to pick a wrestler. I know the first one we're going to do is Brian Pillman, but we're going to pick a wrestler and we're going to go through their career and just discuss their career, the highlights, the lowlights, the, you know, and just, I think that's going to be cool too, doing a deep dive into one singular wrestler's career. But lots of stuff coming up on WrestleNet Radio, The Asylum, The Asylum Wrestling Store, The We Can't Wrestle Podcast, Reliving the Extreme. We're busy guys, David. (laughs) I need a nap. No time. (laughs) No time. (laughs) But thank you, sir, for joining me. And uh, I enjoyed the show this week. And I hope everybody else did too. And apparently uh, maybe next week we'll, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll do this tag team thing. You got me kind of salivating there. I want to talk about tag team rosters. Yep, that might be two or three shows. Maybe. <laughs> well, thank you for Maybe joining we'll us. we'll review there. a tag team one at a time. That would, that would be awesome, too. Awesome. Yes. It, the way we talk, it, it could happen. We'll see you next time around, everybody. Thank you for joining us on Maximum Gold, WrestleNet Radio, and we'll see you next time around. Deuces.